Alexa Ray Korea, what is your favorite game? My favorite game is Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep. Good God, that's long. <laughs> I know, it's terrible. got started playing games a little bit later in the game. I know a lot of people say like, oh, my first console was like the Super Nintendo and I was two years old. My parents got it for me for Christmas. Lots of my parents, Yeah. Well, my parents actually refused to buy, uh, buy us any video game consoles because they didn't <gasps> want to. Yeah. They didn't want to. Uh, so I was a very hyperactive child. I was very imaginative. I got in trouble at school, but I was also like really smart. And they thought that um, getting me like a game console would sort of like feed into my hyperactivity like it would overstimulate me mm. so so they we never had one but my cousin my my sweet little cousin tommy um my cousins lived like two towns over and my aunt was my babysitter a lot of the time so i would go over there mm. and i would play video games on his consoles and he had you know the snes and he had uh, we'd play 1080 snowboarding was like the thing that he loved to play so we were playing that and we'd play mario and uh i got my first taste of like final fantasy there like i played final fantasy 6 it was my first final fantasy and it's still my favorite um and uh and we just you know got the ball rolling my two little brothers were born we're all five years apart and uh when my littlest brother was i think two and i was 12 we managed to finally convince our parents to buy us a video game console and she bought us a ps2 so that was my first home system and from there, it was a downward spiral. I got them into playing. Like, the littlest one is in college now, and the other one has, like, a job, like, in video, and we're all corrupted for life. And that was, <laughs> that was the end of the story. <laughs> that, that first fix is always... All you need. It's, it's exactly, it's all you need. That first fix, just once want, you, you're hooked, you're hooked. Yeah, yeah and it's, it's interesting, because, like, a lot of my friends at that point were like, oh, like... I've like they had game consoles in their house and they'd be like, oh, I've been, you know, playing forever. And I, it was just games. Video games were always a part of my life. But I sort of came in, uh, came in. I, I don't want to say six or seven is like the is late to the game. But I came in late enough that I was like, holy crap, look at this backlog. And I just devoured them like someone who's been starving and didn't know they were starving. So I like, yeah, so I like accumulated a lot of it in a very short amount of time. And it just became this thing in my life. So <laughs> it just it just basically, like I said, the first fix is always the deepest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um so you mentioned those first few games like like um Snowboard ten eighty and uh Mario sixty four and Final Fantasy Six. Like how did you find those like experiences overall, like as your first kind of gateway, so to speak? Well something that I've always loved and like my so my first big book when I was I think 10 I read uh, The Lord of the Rings for the first time like I was a really early reader and I really loved high fantasy and like weird fantasy worlds I had an overactive imagination I was just a crazy child so being able to 
sit down and sort of escape into these other worlds was like very, very appealing for me. Like I always felt and I still feel like when I boot up Mario 64 that I'm sort of like looking through a portal into some like magical place that I shouldn't be like Narnia or something. Mm. Um, And I just they they just they just drew me in. And even today, like I still sort of feel like, oh, like this game world, like when I think of my first like I'm replaying Twilight Princess HD right now. And I think about the first time I played it and I was much younger and everything just seemed so inaccessible and like mysterious to me. And I think that's what kept me like finding more and going back to them. And now that I'm sort of an adult and I know better ish. Uh, when I go into games like like Bloodborne, for example, because that had a big impact on me last year, I still feel like in some ways it's like this intangible, inaccessible, magical world, and that inaccessibility wants me pushes me forward to to uh, seek it out more and to spend more time with it. But it's not accessible. It's just sort of like my brain thinking like, oh, here's this magical world, but surprise, you're actually in it and doing stuff. And I think that balance between like sort of touching a fantastical and still sort of not exactly touching it makes me just love games. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, I can totally get it because like immersion is a big part of whether I like or really, really love a game. Um, mm-hmm. Like for me, like I can, I, I, I can, I'm babbling now. This is what happens when you go five months. Uh, <laughs> um, for me, I'm, I'm always more of a, Real world immersive, immersive kind of person. Like I can get, okay. into, I can get into, like say the worlds of Grand Theft Auto a lot more easily. Whereas fantasy, it's it takes, it depends on the genre for me. Like with The Witcher, mm-hmm. like I can't really immerse myself into that world. Not just because of parts of the world, although I can definitely respect the CD project out of that game, but also how that the controls just kind of. I, I don't quite know how to put it, but I don't get along with the controls for the lecture. I mean, that, that kind of breaks immersion for me. And that's another thing. Like, as much as immersion in a game really helps, like, if I find something that really takes me out of it, like, say, wonky controls or bugs or mm-hmm. whatever, it just breaks the illusion for me. So yeah, that, no. I... I totally agree i think what was the what was the super super buggy game that came out so assassin's creed unity a couple years ago yeah like i was really i like historical stuff as well and i was really into it but the amount of times that game just straight up broke on me kind of ruined it like i couldn't i couldn't connect i couldn't touch it it felt like i was like in bed with a stranger you know like (laughs) like even now i'm a kind of a i'm a kind of jaded player when it comes to assassin's creed but it kind of tells you a lot about Unity that I still have all the Assassin's Creed games, even free, and yet I still <laughs> oh, no. and I still traded in Unity. It was oh, although to be fair, I'm quite tempted again to pick up Unity just to see how it is now because I'm sure it's a lot better to play. But at the time, just no, no, no. Yeah. I didn't finish it, but I finished it. Like, I 100%ed Syndicate. I really liked Syndicate. So it's sort of making me think, like, well, maybe I should go back and give it a try. I might. Mm. Like, like I've played little bits of Syndicate. Like, not a great deal of it. I think I've played about two to three hours of Syndicate. Maybe four hours of Syndicate. And I think, even from that, it's the best game I've played uh, since Black Flag. Although, to be fair, it's only been, what, a two-game gap since Black Flag. But even still. Yes. Um, and even then, Black Flag's the best game since AC2. So, Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, is there any other games that recently that you kind of find yourself immersed in that kind of uh, you adore in terms of that immersion? You mentioned Twilight Princess HD, but like, what others? 
Hmm. I, oh gosh, I know we sort of spoke about this earlier, but like I really, really went in, like full, like went all in on Fire Emblem Fates. Mm. I am a big fan of the Fire Emblem franchise. I loved Awakening um, and it sort of rekindled my like deep love for the series and Fates, like the idea, I think it was the story for me, the story and the characterization, just the idea of being like this person torn between like your birth family and your adopted family and like you love everyone, like the way that they have that character play is very much how I feel. Like I really like people and I like try to make everyone happy and like I'm a deep feeler. So I really connected with the idea of like bringing everyone together and like stopping a war. Um and the way that they just do like uh, like the relationships in that game where you can have people like like fall in love, then they have a kid, and then that kid becomes like an extra powerful fighter. Like the way that they they did like the dialogue and some of like the more nuanced relationships between like you and your adopted brother or you and like your childhood best friend or like you and like soldier number five who like you don't really have any reason to connect with, but you somehow do. Like there's a lot of thought put into those relationships and I just fell in love with it. And uh, like the DLC has been rolling out for the past month and I am still going back and playing it. It's after I've put like 90 hours in. It's fantastic. I'm, I'm genuinely jealous of everyone in the US who has emblems. Uh, I know. Uh, because it's still not out here in Europe. Nintendo announced this week as of recording this in their direct that it's coming out in May. May, May 20th. <laughs> God damn it. I, like, One year. <laughs> One year, I know. Like to be fair, like Fates would be my first Fire Emblem game. Like, oh my gosh! Like I, I really want to get. In, I want to play Wakeman, but I can't find a copy of it around where I live. So I may have to go online and play. Uh, see if I can get a copy on cheap. Uh, before uh, Fates, but even now it's not just Fates as well. A month later, there's um Tokyo. I can't pr- I remember the rest of it, but it's just... Tokyo Mirage Sessions Sharp Fe. <laughs> That's it. Oh my god, I've been excited for that one, and even without the Fire Emblem uh, uh, establishment on it, because it's not even as much Shimigami Tensei cross Fire Emblem. I basically like to refer it as Performa Essential. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. The problem is with that, in the UK, anyways, it comes out the same day as No Man's Sky. and that's Oh, Jesus. And that's the most anticipated game on my list. Oh, uh, way, way to clash with my with my most anticipated games industry. Good job, <laughs> good job. Uh, touch on how you first got into the industry side of things, though. How I got into the industry? Oh God, it was an accident. Like I don't even, I don't even know exactly how it happened. I was working. I lived in Boston for the longest time, and I was actually an administrator at Boston University, where I graduated. Uh, as an did my undergrad, and then also was doing like a master's degree part time in like literary criticism. And for some reason, I don't know. I don't know what, what I was thinking I was going to do with that. But I I, um, I was just doing my own thing. And, like, me and my friends cosplayed a lot and played a lot of games together. Like, our thing was to get together on, like, a Friday night and play play a JRPG. Like, play a single-player game and sit and play. Like, watch it like it was a movie. Um, and... I just I started like a Tumblr and I would just like write thoughts on a Tumblr and then I started writing for like this little enthusiast press blog based out of New York so I would go back and forth to like events in New York and it was free like I didn't get paid I put a lot of work into it but nobody ever paid me um and I went to GDC and I just like I like I liked it a lot and at some point like I had this switch in my head and I was just like wait a minute like I'm really good at this and I really like this and I kind of want to work in around with games somehow like 
I want to be here. Like, maybe this is what I'll do with my life. And then I got a, uh, I applied uh, when, you know, Polygon was over at Vox Media was forming. I applied and didn't hear anything for like six months. So I was like, oh, well, all right. I tried. And then like out of the blue, like the day before my like 24, 24th birthday, I think, I got a call from Vox and they were just like, hey, uh, you want to, are you still interested in like applying and whatever? And like, yeah. So I, you know, did the application again and uh, I got, sorry, and I got a job there and now I'm at GameSpot in San Francisco and I never thought I'd be here. Um, and it's crazy. And I still look back and I don't exactly rem- remember when the moment happened that I like decided I wanted to do this or that I like became part of the industry. It just sort of happened. And now it's like, oh, cool. <laughs> Just, just kind of sneaks up on you like that? Yeah, it just snuck up on me. <laughs> like a magical, weird thing. Right, let's get into it then. Your favorite game, Kingdom Hearts: Birth by Sleep. Yes, Good Lord, that's a stupid title, and we will get into that. But um, so this is a kind of um interesting uh topic to bring up first off about the game because your introduction of your introduction to the series, and I'll actually admit up front, um, this is actually the reason why I actually wanted to bring you on this uh, show because. Of your article you wrote for Polygon quite a few years ago, it is honestly one of my favorite articles I've ever Aww. read on GameSpot. <laughs> it really is, though. It really is. I'm not just saying that to flatter you. It really is like one of my favorite articles ever in terms of games writing. Like, I'm I'm a sucker who loves personal writing for or Aww. writers who you know kind of wear the heart in their sleeve because I'm basically the same because like I I just write personally from the heart, but. I love the way of how you just how that introduction to the series, how you brought your family around that um, with your brothers, and how you how they introduced or well how your mum basically brought you back a copy of Kingdom Hearts, basically. Um, yeah, my yeah, we had to bully her into that. Well, she like she was looking for something, and she thought everything looked too violent, and like we were that family that went to Disney World every summer together. So I guess she thought like, oh, this is Disney; it'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear, if only she knew. Oh, she knows. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I absolutely adore that piece. So uh, that was fantastically written. So thank you for writing that. I really enjoyed that. Um, thank you. Um, a weird addendum to that piece, actually. I uh, had the privilege of uh, a couple months after that story went live, I think like maybe two months at New York Comic Con, I uh, had the privilege of meeting Tetsuya Nomura. And he uh, told me that he read it and he was absolutely touched by it and of course i like broke down in tears in front of him so now every so now every time i see him he's just like hey what's up how are your brothers like it's it's like he sent me like a christmas card and was like say hi to your you know family for me i was like jesus this is like crazy but yeah <laughs> oh that's sweet he's a sweet guy <laughs> Oh, that's genius. that's kind of like finding out a different side of tetsu anymore now cuz Cause he's, he comes like I'm not trying to say this to be 
like <laughs> mean, but he comes across as a kind of, for the lack of a better term, moody. But the way you put him across there, it's just so it's so sweet. I wouldn't say moody. I think I think the reason like I sort of like identify with him a lot, and I have a lot of respect for him, is because he's a he's a deep feeler. Mm. Like he feels things very deeply, and like he writes like he writes all like the main story and like the scenario for all of those kingdom hearts games and there's some some themes and we'll get into that but there's like some themes and some stuff in there that just makes me like oh man like this came out of his head like this is like a really like sorrowful or like really like critical piece of thinking here so yeah (laughs) um so now now that we've uh covered upon that article and the kind of first introduction to the series um like Cat, like, let's try and catch up on the series so far to date because actually no, we can't because Birth by Sleep is the first game in the series, and that is going to be worth touching upon itself in terms of the series timeline because, like we said earlier, oh my god, it's convoluted. But yeah, <laughs> but, but but basically, give the elevator pitch on Birth by Sleep because basically, oh. like we said, it's just a mumbled jumbled mess. So, Birth by Sleep is. Not the first Kingdom Hearts game, but chronologically in the narrative, it comes first. Like it is a when it came out, it was a prequel. Like it was marketed as this is a prequel to Kingdom Hearts One. So it is essentially the story of how um, shit went south and how uh, like how everything in Kingdom Hearts One came to be. Um, there are three characters and they're all like keyblade wielders and they essentially run up against this really evil guy voiced by uh leonard nimoy by the way may he rest in peace his his voice acting in that game was phenomenal he was so good um but they run up against this evil guy who wants to flood the whole world like all the worlds with darkness because he thinks that light and darkness are no longer in balance and light is too strong so he needs to Bring the darkness. It's a total like Star Warsy thing. It's a balance of light and dark. Basically, counter counterbalance it. Yeah. So he he thinks that it's dark darkness. It is the time of darkness, according to him. And he's getting old. So he um he's getting old and needs to find someone to help him carry on his legacy. Uh, so he corrupts this one kid. Uh, he very very easily like wheedles his way into his psyche. And one of the other kids, you find out, actually has uh, like an evil. It's too convoluted. Well, okay, fine. I'll get into it. He's actually like this evil guy. His name is Xehanort. Took all of the darkness in this kid's heart and made another human being. So he is two people, one of pure darkness and one of like pure goodness. And they fight. And then there's the third one, the girl, who is basically just trying to clean everything up and clean up the mess. And what the evil guy does is the guy that he's corrupted, Tara, he actually possesses his body like he takes over his body because he wants to be young and spry again uh, and have a little more time and that person that possessed Tara possessed by Xehanort becomes the main antagonist of Kingdom Hearts 1 like he's he's split into again split into two separate people for in Kingdom Hearts physics like they split his heart and his soul so his heart is the main villain of Kingdom Hearts 1, and his soul is the villain of Kingdom Hearts 2, but it's not actually him. It's his spirit in someone else's body. It's, like, incredibly convoluted. But <laughs> but this is how we find out, like, like, this is the game where we find out all of that junk, where Kingdom Hearts 1 starts to make sense, and Kingdom Hearts 2 starts to make sense in terms of, like, who are all these bad guys we're fighting, and are they connected? Well, they're actually 
the same guy just split into a bunch of people because forget physics, you know? (laughs) But I love it. Yeah, it's terrible. And it's terrible. And I love it because it is it was the last game before the series jumped the shark in a terrible way. And it is the first game to uh, portray women in a non-object-y way. And it was the first game that really explored the idea of, uh, like, what to do when, like, your friends just totally screw up. Like, how do you... Like, the whole series deals with friendship and, like, having each other's backs. But it's the first game that's like, well, my my friends are screwing up and the universe is ending and I do, I don't have to clean this mess, but because they're my friends, I feel obligated to. So it's like one person's fall, another person's um, growing of age story. And then a third person's just desperate struggle to take responsibility because she feels like she has to take responsibility and just clean up a mess. And it's really interesting. You like swap between them. They all have their own chapters, so you can switch gameplay between all three of the heroes, and I really liked that. It was the first game in the series to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, to, to, to do that in a meaningful way, like, Coded and 358 over two days let you, like, play as other characters, but I think that Birth by Sleep was the first one that did it in, like, a smart, coherent way. As coherent as you can get with Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> Fair enough, true. Um, I do want to bring up that kind of convoluted nature of the series and its timeline, because holy fuck how can fans yep. feel this because like this is so for those listening like this is I have not played a Kingdom Hearts game since the original on the Playstation 2 back in 2000 when did it come out in Playstation 2 2001 2 2002 so that, yeah that was around the time it came out so this was yeah Playstation 2000 I have Birth by Sleep on PSP but I've not touched it because one the convoluted nature of the series has really put me off the game and two, my PSP is kind of borked because the battery just keeps popping out of the back of the PSP. But, like, yeah, like, how on earth do fans even keep up with that series timeline? Like, let alone those, like, watching along from an outside perspective, so to speak. Wikia. Like, I, <laughs> like, there, yeah, there are days, there are days, like, I, I've done a lot of work with Kingdom Hearts stuff, and, like, I'll talk about this later, but I, I, there are days when I'm like, oh, wait, what? And I have to like go go back into the wikia and like refresh my memory on some things. Like my brain can't hold all like all of that series and like the fan theories surrounding it are amazing. Every time there's a trailer and every time there's a new game and there's like a secret movie at the end of the game always sort of foreshadowing the next title. Um, I love seeing what people have to say because so many people have so many crazy, amazing theories. And the best part is none of them are too crazy because Kingdom Hearts is crazy. It's all crazy. We're all in, we're all on on the freaking Nomura train to fuck town. Like everything Choo-choo. is, yeah, everything is like screwed up and amazing, and I love it. And I just love it. It's like, <laughs> uh, I, can't, I can't believe someone's putting over Kingdom Hearts just for the fact of how batshit insane it is. Oh my god, it's great. There's a lot of great like videos on YouTube of people who have like taken significant time out of their lives to like make a video explaining the timeline, which is amazing. Um, I have had to when explaining Kingdom Hearts to 
people like if i'm at a party and i start talking about kingdom hearts like if my boyfriend is near me he'll actually walk away because he's heard me talk about it too many times and like he just can't he just can't fathom it but i have to draw diagrams for people like so here's this guy and he was possessed by this guy and then he was split into these two guys and then this guy like it's too it's so crazy it's too crazy but it's the best I never I know I've said this already but Jesus Christ I don't think I'd hate hear someone put over Kingdom Hearts just for how insanely convoluted it is oh my god I, just... I love it <laughs> oh fair enough fair enough I can I, I can totally get someone's passion for it but even still this kind of baffles me as a bit of an outsider <laughs> I'll be honest um, it's the only game it's the only game on earth where like Mickey Mouse like is running around with a sword and also Sephiroth is maybe hanging out too. Like it's the it's the best. <laughs> oh dear. Like how did you find that kind of Disney kind of cross square and final fantasy combo kind of jarring at first when you first got into the series? Or was it like, nope, I'm just immediately straight into it? So I'm one of those people so I'm one of those people that has like I have O C D when it comes to like fandoms and stuff like I get really upset when canon gets broken like it just it just like bothers my mind because my mind is like wired in a certain way so something happens and I'm like uh, uh I don't really know I don't really know like it took me I'm watching Star Wars uh like Star Wars Clone Wars and Rebels with my boyfriend and it's and it's set between like the movies and I found a really hard time accepting like oh like Anakin Skywalker had this apprentice, but she's not in the movies. Like, how are they going to shoehorn her in? They're just like piling stuff in where nothing exists. And it took me a long time to sort of get over, get over that prequel midquel ness. So when I uh, when I first booted up Kingdom Hearts and it was like this kid running around with Donald and Goofy, I was like, why? Like, they, like Donald and Goofy should be doing other things. Like, is this canon? Is this where they live when they're not filming cartoons? Like what's going on here like it was very like confusing for me and just sort of like this is weird i grew up with disney goofy is not this competent i don't really know um but it like i sort of got over it a little bit and then they piled in the final fantasy characters and for the first two games for well they weren't enchanted memories but for well yeah they were kind of they're old um but for like the first two games for kingdom hearts one and chain of memories it they were like the final fantasy characters were used in like a weird way like i didn't i didn't feel like they should be there like they were just sort of there to be like oh Aerith and squall are here and they're gonna give you a quest and it was just sort of like why are what's going on and they make allusions they make allusions to their games like like squall people like yuffie is there and she's like yeah squall's all screwed up because some shit happened with some girl and like he has Renoa's little wings on his jacket, and it's like, oh, like he changed his name and moved away because everything went south. Um, and then in in future games, you have like Yuna, Riku, and Pain from Ten Two as like fairies, as like treasure hunting fairies. And then in in future games, you have like Yuna, Riku, and Pain from Ten Two as like fairies, as like treasure hunting fairies. And I'm in birth sorry, by- say that again. Yeah. Treasure hunting fairies. They're oh. fairies. They're tiny fairies that fly around and they show you like where treasure is and stuff. Um, you fight Sephiroth in every game. He's like the boss that is just always there. Cloud is in every game and Cloud has like a crazy arc as well um, involving the underworld from Hercules. I'm not going to ruin that. I really want people to figure that out on their own. Um, Auron, like, like 
after after those first two games, their use of King, their use of Final Fantasy characters got better and a little more intuitive and a little more clever. Um, my favorite example being in well, there's two, and one is in Birth by Sleep, but in Kingdom Hearts two, Orin from Final Fantasy X, who um, game has been out for like a billion years. I don't care if I spoil it. He's actually dead during the events of Final Fantasy X, mm. so you find him. He's in the underworld. He's in Hercules, animated Hercules. Uh, James Woods Hades is his master, and he's in the underworld running around and as a, as a ghost and like he fights with you he's in your party and he and him and Hades make these allusions to like oh this deal you made to like do whatever and it's very very close to what happened with Orin in Final Fantasy X which is where he like escapes from the far plane aka the underworld to come back to the world and help Titus um, so it's very like cleverly done it's like oh yeah he was hanging out with Hades and then he went back to help Titus and it's cool and in Birth by Sleep, you have Zach Fair uh, from Final Fantasy VII as a child. He's like a 15-year-old boy with a too skinny waist, and he's training to be a hero. Mm-hmm. And in the first Kingdom Hearts, you find Cloud in the Colosseum because he's following the footsteps of someone, which alludes back to, oh, in Final Fantasy VII, Cloud followed in Zach's footsteps. So here we see Zach in the prequel sort of laying the groundwork for Cloud, which I thought was super clever. Mm-hmm. Um, not the part that he's a skinny 15 year old boy, but everything else. Um, but no, it's, it, it got better. Like they finally, I think the series grew into its own with kingdom hearts too. And then everything else that came after sort of felt a little more organic. Um, with the exception of kingdom hearts 3ds where they use the world ends with you characters, mm. which was kind of strange. Cause it's like, they're not like, they're another square Enix property, but like if we're opening it to that, then like, what's going to happen in Kingdom Hearts 3? Is there going to be like some like Einhander stuff in there? Like how deep does the rabbit hole goes? How does it go? Well, the world ends with <laughs> is Nomura's baby as well, to be fair. Yeah. So like all bets are off the table. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah. So we mentioned the, or we mentioned the protagonists earlier, um, Terra, Ventus and Aqua, and all three of them are playable for multiple uh, arcs in the game like how did you find all three of them first off I so I like immediately immediately went to Aqua because you know one like hey girl she's the first she's the first uh, she's not the first playable female in the series but she's the first playable female in the series who has some agency has well has all the agency over what she is doing like she chooses to go after Ventus and Terra she chooses like to to every action she takes is not reactive it's you know sort of proactive and that she's she's chasing her friends but she also makes decisions that will impact what happens later in the game and the whole series like it's kind of her fault that all of this happened um and I'll get to that later but she I really like that she was sort of a a little bit more of a hard magic user like she had a little bit more a little bit more like oomph to her spells and Tara was a little more like I guess like he was like he had a stronger stats like he just felt stronger like he was taller he was a little more tanky um so they all sort of played differently and they all had different uh different skills available to them and each one of them had a different motive for doing what they did and i think that really colored how i enjoyed each of their storylines like tara was trying to find himself and ventus was trying to um and 
and figure out what's going on with Xehanort. And Ventus is going after Terra because he idolizes Terra and is finding himself as well, but also doesn't want Terra to find Xehanort. And then you have Aqua bringing up the rear, chasing them both, being like, oh, these stupid boys, what the hell am I going to do with them? Um, and I really, And I really liked switching between those perspectives. I really did. I think it was clever. Um, I think it was like you could start either you could start either storyline first. Like the way they set it up was like, oh, you have like like Terra's story, Aqua's story, and Ventus's story, and they all visit the same the same worlds, but they all do different things, and you'll see the after effect of like what what someone else did in the world. Um, you can play them out of order. So let's say you start with Aqua, who if you are um, if you like the true way to play it is you start as terror and then you play as Ventus and then you play as Aqua, but you can totally start as Aqua. But when you arrive at the planets at the worlds, you're seeing events out of order. So you already sort of, uh, you get there after Ventus and Terra have been there and you see the effects, but then you go back and you play as Terra and you see, Oh, this is what he did to make this happen. So it's like really interesting. And I think it's like some people like that kind of like, time skippy setup and some people don't but i really liked the time skippy setup ah can you jump in and out of each kind of character or do you have to kind of uh start start over again so to speak you have to like you like you you play through one and then you play you play through one person's story and then you play through like the next person's story ah and they're not and they're not terribly long and then they all converge like right at the end it converges and you're sort of in this one this one story that will automatically sort of switch you between perspectives when it needs you to. Uh, like, it, how long is each arc? It's roughly around 20 hours, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> wow. That is quite if a If you're a completionist, yeah. Oh, oof. That, would, that would take some doing. Um, so, you mentioned um, the preference of um, playing as Aqua because, like, there is that kind of agency there. Like, she's chasing around Terran Ventus, as in to say, uh, oh, oh, those boys! I've, they're they're up to those that mischief again, basically. Um, but how did you find um Terra and Ventus then? I so I Terra, Terra is like is the brooding. Like every one of these games, someone is brooding. Uh, and he's the brooder. So his story was very much like, oh man, I'm trying to find Xehanort because I think this is the right thing to do. But no, I don't know. So he was just like really, really like sort of back and forth uh he did have some really fun moments with like the disney characters like you interact with them um a lot and like i think my favorite thing from his story is like you have an escort mission uh you're escorting cinderella through the woods to the ball because something happened to her friggin' carriage so you're beating off like heartless and enemies while well, cinderella from the, the movie is like holding up her skirt like running behind you and you have to like protect her and when you get to the and it's kind of cute and when you get to the castle they have a conversation and she's basically just like you're really sweet or whatever and he like bows and like motions for her like he's like you know after you madam and he's like he lets her into the castle and like just sort of watches her go and like watches her have her moment and is just like yeah man like i did something good but like his his story is peppered with like little moments like that hmm. which is which i think is like super duper cute um there's another aqua has a moment where like zach fair hits on her and like tries to ask her out and she's like uh it's like super awkward but also kind of cute ventus's story i don't think i liked it because he looks because he is and he looks like uh roxas from kingdom hearts 2 and i fucking hate roxas <laughs> oh dear we'll, we'll touch we'll touch upon all the kingdom hearts games in, in a few minutes but, <laughs> yeah. 
Go on, I'm sorry. Yeah, he just, no, he, he he's just like a whiny little pansy, and everything he does is reactive, and <laughs> he's just stupid. He's just so stupid, like, and he says dumb shit, and he's voiced by Jesse McCartney, which makes me hate him more, because I hate uh... Jesse McCartney's voice, and it's just like a big mash of, like, God. Like, I got through his story because I had to. Like, there's interesting stuff that happens around him, but not, like, and, and to him, but it's not, like... Uh, it's like, oh, like this one cool thing happened. I wouldn't want to. I don't really like spending twenty hours with his whiny little ass, you know. <laughs> oh Christ! <laughs> I can only, I can only imagine what it'd be like ha- having him around for what? How long? Twenty hours? Oh God! Yeah, twenty hours. Oh Jesus! And when you put it like that, it's like, how on earth did I manage to survive twenty hours with this whiny little shit? Yep. Yep. <laughs> It's, it is basically survival at that point. Yes. <laughs> um, Worlds-wise, like, you mentioned Cinderella, but, like, there's also Snow White, Sleeping Beauty, Yorgiris, Peter Pan, all, all sorts. And there's, like, a few other original worlds as well, like Land of Departure. Um, like, what worlds from Birth by Sleep stood out for you? I mean, I'm a big fan of Lilo and Stitch, so I really like the Stitch level, mm. where you were, like, running around on the spaceship. Um Land of Departure had Master Ericus in it, and Master Ericus is voiced by Mark Hamill, and he did a really good job. So, like, I liked hanging out with with a uh, uh, Asian Mark Hamill. Um, I did like I did like the setup in the Sleeping Beauty world a lot. I thought the final boss, one of I thought the final boss that terrifies, which is uh, essentially like the enchanted spinning wheel as a giant monster, was really interesting. Like, I really liked the way that that battle played out. Um, and then the end, the end levels in the Keyblade Graveyard. I thought those boss battles were some of my favorite in the series. I thought they were really fun. I thought they were really challenging. Like I didn't really expect stuff. Some of them are really heartbreaking. Like one of the one of the fights after uh, Xehanort possesses Terra's body. Xehanort in Terra's body uh, is like running around like I did it. We and then Terra's mind or his spirit or some piece of Terra. Uh, unhinges from his body and is left in his armor. So basically his ghost possesses his abandoned armor and you, as the armor, fight Xehanort in your body. I, I, what? <laughs> yeah, no, no, it sounds, it sounds crazy, but it's really sad because it's like, it's like Tara, it's Tara saying like, I'm not going down without a fight. I made a mistake. I'm going to fight you. Like, I can't let it happen this way. So he possesses his armor and he fights to get his body back and it's like of course like you win but you don't like there's a cutscene and shit goes south again but like he really fights for it and he loses and it's tragic and if you played the final mix version of Kingdom Hearts 2 which is now available in the US thanks to uh, Kingdom Hearts 2.5 HD remix for PS3 you can go to you can access the Keyblade graveyard and you can actually find Terra's possessed armor and you can fight him and he is an incredibly difficult optional boss and when I first saw that video like when Final Mix came out in Japan and the videos were popping up online of like they called it the lingering will and you had to go fight this possessed piece of armor this final boss the way that Kingdom Hearts is sort of set up is every game has an optional secret boss that alludes to the next game and this optional secret boss in Kingdom Hearts 2 alerted, alluded to Birth by Sleep. And it was really creepy being like, who is this guy? Is this a guy? And then you find out it's actually possessed armor. And it's very, very creepy. Um, 
And then immediately following that, you are you fight as Aqua against possessed Terra. And it's really sad because she's like, you're my friend and I love you, but you're not my friend anymore. So I have to kill you. And there's this big this big fight. And it's very tactically interesting. Um, those were like sort of I get real. I'm a deep feeler. So I like feel really bad for these characters and I get really invested in this story. So it was like a emotional gut punch coupled with a like, oh, shit, I got to stay on my toes like this is. This battle like has like six stages, and I have to make sure I don't get knocked out of the fight. Just to kind of quickly jump back into um, the character side of things, we, uh, we just talked about the the pro tags, but like f- um, with Birth by Sleep, like none of the major uh, Kingdom Heart players, so to speak, uh, show up, or at least they don't show up in any major way. Like there's no Sora, there's no Kyrie, there's no Riku, at least not in any major ways. Like they only make kind of minor cameo appearances isn't it yes they show up um there's like every single terra aqua and ven all meet sora riku and kairi as children on destiny islands they like run into them and have have conversations with them and sort of pre sort of like foreshadow like oh like these kids are gonna have to clean up your mess and it's like really really uh really really sweet um the big bad is sort of explained in this game uh xehanort who's the main villain of the entire Kingdom Hearts series who you don't actually see until Birth by Sleep. Like, you see his nobody and his heartless, which are the two pieces of him that have split. And even those are made from Terra's body, not from Xehanort's body. So the first time you actually see Xehanort and meet him and, like, learn his motives is in Birth by Sleep. Like, it takes you six games to to, to be told what the hell the bad guy wants. Like, it's a very long long game so do correct me if i'm wrong here because like i said it's been so long since i've played any of the kingdom hearts games um this is the first time well actually no it's not the first time because birth by sleep doesn't have the heartless and nobody's the enemy here like the the kind of no uh, the main party here in terms of enemies is the universe the yeah the the unversed oh unversed sorry okay which is stupid (laughs) it's it's really stupid i mean they could have used Heartless. They could have used... I mean, the Nobodies are like a big Kingdom Hearts 2 thing, but like they could have used the Heartless, but the Unversed are just like weird spirits like lingering around. And I think it's too much. Like I, That game would have been fine if you were just like Heartless are running around and I would get it. But I think tacking another name onto them was weird and maybe not the best decision in terms of like universe continuity because now you have three separate hordes of enemies all with like a thousand variations all with a thousand different rules of physical being that they follow and it's just too much <laughs> that, that kind of comes back to the kind of uh how do we say this Con- convoluted nature of the series yes in, in way very convoluted very convoluted very confused series very confusing. <laughs> um so birth by sleep has a, a kind of tweaked battle system compared to the past games because like from what i've played of kingdom hearts one back in the day and from the hd version um the battle system is very action based in fact this was actually the reason why to an extent like half the reason why i was very excited for what was then final fantasy versus 13 now final fantasy 15 because the the battle system for that game seemed very kingdom heartsy by nature but put into a final fantasy setting and that just that spoke out to me as like yes, I want to play a Final Fantasy game like this, and not to mention the whole setting at the time as well. That was just like perfect. But like, mm-hmm. um, 
this with this battle system, it's it's very tweaked compared to it's 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 tweaked anyways compared to past games in the series. Like, can you elaborate on how that went and how how you found that kind of tweak? I really like the cards, like sort of the well, not the cards, but like the the combining your spells and sort of putting like your own ability like building your abilities i really liked that i felt like it was a lot more satisfying than just like you learn faraga equip it um i thought it was a little more involved and it took a little more uh a little little more little more strategizing to like build up your your deck or build up the amount of uh build up a loadout that you we're comfortable with and the more that you like look at spells and combine them and put them together you can really really build like some really powerful stuff like i think when i finished the game i had like tara had like three super high powerful spells that like would one hit kill everything in like a 10 foot radius like it was ridiculous um and i really felt like i felt that playing i felt playing birth by sleep with that system made me feel a lot more powerful and was a lot more satisfying than what was like in Kingdom Hearts 1 and Kingdom Hearts 2, which was the, you know, real time running around, equip some spells and like whack people around. I really enjoyed it. Um, and to associate with that as well, um, the D-Dex system, like, mo- like past, and, past games in the series, I know this much, like have allowed the player to kind of summon characters from Final Fantasy or on the Disney side of things to help out in battle but like with the D-Link uh, system it was a bit more different like how, elaborate on that as well and how, and how did you find it as well? I thought it was a lot I like see I like keeping track of a lot of stuff like I really like that it went that deep um, I I never really used the summons in previous Kingdom Hearts games because it was just like oh Mushu showed up and then kicked someone in the face like it wasn't it wasn't, they never really did anything for me and I never really found them particularly effective, which is why I think um, part of the reason I definitely, I, part of the reason I like Birth by Sleep's battle system better, better is because it refined what came before and just made it, you know, a little more deeper and a little more effective. Like, I used it. I used it a lot and it, I think it's one of the things that makes that game's combat particularly special. I I see, you know, all the footage for Kingdom Hearts 3 and it it. Like I like I like it. I'm excited for it. And sometimes, like sometimes, like in the footage, like something will pop up in like the ability section, or I'll see something like hanging out in like the corner of the screen. And I'm like, and I'm like, oh, is this gonna like? Are they like adopting from Birth by Sleep? Like, are they gonna gonna remix that? Or are they working with like the 3DS system, which was awful? Um, and then they have these like the carnival rides, and I wonder if they will function similar to that. We'll see. I, I hope they do because I thought that system was great. So. Mm. Um. I want to touch upon something that just fell in my that just came in my head about Kingdom Hearts Three, but we'll get to that in a few minutes. Um, um, Birth by Sleep introduced. Well, not sorry, no, it didn't introduce multiplayer because that was three fifty eight um, by two days. But it had the inclusion of local multiplayer via ad hoc on the PSP. Like, did you play mm-hmm. multiplayer at all? No, I think I like tried it once, and I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, I got really. It wasn't. It wasn't satisfying. It was like you battling another person's character. I never really felt the need to do it, and it didn't really reward me at all. So I'm just, I did it like a couple times when it first came out with like some friends of mine, and I was like, no. So I never, I just don't touch it. I don't really care. <laughs> ah, fair enough. No, that I'm, game is a single player game. <laughs> ah, fair enough. Now, the way I read of uh, how multiplayer works in that game, it just basically reminds me of, would it be right to say it would be re- uh, reminiscent of? An MMO raid, so to speak. Kind of. Ah. Yeah, I can ah. see that. Ah, okay. Um, you mentioned at the top of uh, when we started talking about Kingdom Hearts, like there's plenty of themes about the series, and Birth by Sleep 
uh, one of the th uh, themes for First Biscuit was learning about identity. Um, like, how how did you find learning of these themes, like like identity, like friendship, especially more so considering that like, there are these kind of free people like tied together by friendship. I think what what it all boils down to sort of Aqua's story because like Ventus was like not helpful at all, and Terra went and like sort of muddied everything up, but. Um, with Aqua, I sort of, what I took away from her was like, don't give up on people. And like, I don't, and it, sometimes it backfires. Like people just don't, they want you to give up on them. But like, I, I took away from hers. Like she never gave up on Terra. She never gave up on Ventus. And like, to the end, she was like, I'm going to get you out of here. This isn't impossible to fix. Like you're not lost to me. And even when she was like fighting against him and like, he was like, like the cutscene. Like the famous cutscene of him like reaching out and just grabbing her by the throat and like hauling her into the air and she's like choking and like trying to get out of his grip and like she, even at that point she's still like hey like it's me like stop this is awful like I'm gonna bring you home I'm gonna bring you home and it totally sucks and in the end she sacrifices herself like they fall into the into the darkness and she can't she's using her armor and her like little jetpack to like try and get out like to go back up towards the light and it's not holding them so she literally like removes her armor like puts it on puts it with Tara like connects Tara to her armor and sends them up and they leave and she like stays in the darkness and like she has her own game coming up I think it's coming out later this year like kingdom hearts 2.8 which is like a short game following her after she sacrifices herself and like she went like she went the extra mile to try and make sure that everyone was okay and at the expense of herself so i think there's a lot that a lot that people can take away from you know not giving up on people granted it started a whole mess and it started the events of kingdom hearts one and like the whole reason sora and riku were dealing with the shit to begin with is because she let tara go and she saved him despite being possessed um, but I think there's a lot to unpack there, and I think it's like a really sweet message. I I can totally get that uh, when you put it like that, and it's kind of when you say it like that, like those themes of the game, it kind of makes me want to play them again. Like for oh, all, you should for for all the convoluted nature of the series, and because it's been so long since I've properly invested myself into the series, like when you mentioned of the themes that uh, that we've just said, like it really makes me want to go back and play it now, and actually you know immerse myself again you should <laughs> um if this if this all goes tits up though i'm blaming you so, <laughs> sorry <laughs> you will be blamed for this if this all goes wrong um so yeah all the hard schemes like um i guess you can go from there because like i have no dog in this fight with the exception of one even then i basically gave up after the world on uh, Halloween, the, the night before Christmas. Oh my god, I love the night before Christmas worlds. Oh god, I love I love the night before Christmas, and there's just something really awesome about, like, beating up Oogie Boogie with, like, Jack Skellington next to you. I love... Those worlds are probably some of my favorites. <laughs> um, well, to be fair, I kind of invested myself in, in the world. When I was playing Kingdom Hearts 1, um, uh, when I was... Uh, when was I at the time? I was 11 when Kingdom Hearts... Uh, one came out so 11 12 around that period and the only world i was looking forward to playing when i was um when i was playing kingdom hearts one was 100 acre wood because i'm such a oh winner i'm such a winner the poo farm boy even though i'm like i'm like i'm 25 and i still a fucking door <laughs> i have i'm honest to god no word of a lie i have 
sitting next to me, plushies of Pooh, Piglet, Tigger, and Eeyore and rabbits. Oh, God, I, I, I adore Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> I loved the late '80s cartoon that came out. Um, and like I can, I'll go back to YouTube every once in a while and just watch the cartoons. And the, and there's a cartoon like that sticks out for me. It's, um. All the guys or all the gang are basically Christopher Robbins. Christopher Robin has to kind of dog sit a neighbor's dog, but then one reason or another, the dog is basically with them, and the dog goes missing, and they have to go find the dog, and they end up at a supermarket. And the one moment that uh, stands out from that is, and for more or less Winnie the Pooh, is Tigger getting on the supermarket's PA system because the dogs just kind of find themselves and, and the gang have just basically found themselves in the supermarket because the dogs just find themselves in the supermarket. Anyways, but I digress. Tigger somehow gets on the PA system and goes, Squawky! Squawky! <laughs> and oh my god. Like, like I know we're getting away from the park, in the park but like, it's it's one of those reasons why I love Winnie the Pooh because it's like, I can just find it so endearingly charming even after this long and like, when I was playing Kingdom Hearts, I was just like, "Give me, give me a hundred acre word, give me a hundred acre word, give me a hundred acre word." It's just like, and when I've got in there, it's like, <laughs> just yeah, that, that that was my highlight for Kingdom Hearts one for me. Oh, <laughs> oh, I love that! I love that silly old bear. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, um, all the Hearts games like. That was where I jumped off one and uh, the night before uh, Christmas. But like, how did you kind of find the other games in the series, like two, three, fifty-eight slash two days and all that? There, I think two is my second favorite one. Two sort of has the like Assassin's Creed two thing going for it, where like enough had happened in the series that like they were able to pull off something really great. Like they had refined it by that point. Mm-hmm. Um, I the first game obviously super big place in my heart. Uh, the other ones like. 358 over two days was fine. I really like the organization 13 characters, so I played it for that and for story. Uh, Coded was stupid because it was basically like trolling through, like the whole thing was like Mickey is like going through the data of Sora's memory or Jiminy's journal. I can't remember because it was so stupid, but like he's plugging through data, like trying to figure out something. So it like takes this weird sci-fi turn. And 358 over uh, two days was good. Um, the King, the 3DS game, Kingdom Hearts 3D Dream Drop Distance, is my absolute least favorite in the series. It is trash. It is garbage. It is a Pokemon ripoff. And I just generally hated it. Like, it was awful. It was the first game. It was my first professional game review. It was my first review for Polygon.com in the summer of 2012. And, oh, my God, do I hate that game. I will never replay it. I, I hate it. It's the only one I have not replayed and I will not replay it because it was the story was stupid. It was a lot of filler. It was a lot of narrative filler that could have been packed into like the previous game or didn't really need to be its own game. And it introduced time travel to the Kingdom Hearts narrative. And I wanted to tear my hair out and scream. Christ, as if I couldn't get convoluted enough. Time travel. First there was first there was like travel between worlds. So there's different worlds and you travel between them. Physics don't need to know then with kingdom hearts 2 it introduced oh in addition to heartless there's actually a nobody so a person can split into two things uh and it also introduced um 
uh, it introduced that. And then with, you know, 358 over two days and with Chain of Memories, they introduced uh, the ability to replicate a person. So, like, in 358 over two days, you had Shion, who was a, a replica of Sora, but she was still a complete person, but she was built out of memories. In Chain of Memories, you had Riku Replica, who was a replica of Riku, built out of Riku's memories. Um, so you have all these abilities to create pe- create life, which one is super unnerving, and two, why? And then by the time you get to uh, birth by sleep, you have the um, the whole ability to possess people and then split their body and and you know move move. In addition to worlds, there's like the light worlds and the dark world. There's all and then all these other worlds and these tunnels, and then you get to 3D and 3D introduces time travel. And I had and I had it like I. I when I got to that point in the game when they revealed that like here's a like a thing a thing is happening because of time travel this guy like basically I don't know I don't want to ruin it if I want to I'm just gonna I fine I'll just say it but like what you find out is that in 3D you're being terrorized by this 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 dude who is young he's younger than you and he has white hair and he looks like Xandor and you're like who is this guy what is he doing and at the end of the game, you find out that he is Xehanort from the past, who, who traveled from the past to the future to harass you because, because Xehanort in the future traveled to the past to tell his young self, to tell his younger self, hey, dude, this is what you got to do. So you find out that the bad guy like broke all the rules of time travel. Doctor Who would be going insane. Broke every rule of time travel and any sort of and any sense of narrative cohesion to basically make himself the bad guy. And it's like, where does it end? Like there is no end and no beginning because it's just this one guy time traveling and screwing everything up. And when they introduced that, like it retconned a ton of series lore, like overturned a bunch of stuff that we had just figured out to not and just uncomplicated it and made it more complicated and I was just like fuck this I don't know how I don't know how Kingdom Hearts 3 is going to tie that all together but you have the whole people splitting thing and the time travel and you know the 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 possession and then the ability to create people out of data and also enter and manipulate data like in a computer like go into a computer and manipulate data what are the what's what are they going to do What's happening? Are we going to find out that like Sora is his own grandfather or something? Like I, <laughs> I don't know. Like I don't know where it goes from there. Like it's so like I'm obviously excited for the game and I love the story and I love the characters, but man, what the fuck? <laughs> so yeah, so 3D kind of like I like to pretend like I've been pretending for the longest time that 3D doesn't exist. Three Kingdom Hearts 3D does not exist and just operating under the principles of all the other games. But like when 3 comes out, I'm probably going to have to play it again. And I'm just like, oh my God, please. You're probably going to have to please, play it no. again. You're going to have to play, oh my play God. it again. Like, especially now it's coming to PS4. You're going to have to play it again. Yeah, man. Ugh. <laughs> like, is there nothing, nothing redeeming of Dream Drop Distance? No. Nothing. No. Absolutely no. nothing. There's a couple. There's a couple of really interesting boss battles. But other than that... There's not really anything. Like, there's one where you're, like, Sora, like, screws up. So you play as Riku, and you're fighting, uh, you fight Xehanort, 
uh, as Riku, and then you fight him as Sora, and there's like all these floating buildings. Like it's a really interesting. It provides a really interesting battlefield for your enemy to sort of hide and get the jump on you. But you can also do the same if you like listen to audio cues and sort of like stay on your toes. Like it requires a lot of like really quick, like really fast reactions. Like Kingdom Hearts boss battles have always been difficult as hell, but I think 3DSs are the hardest. <laughs> it's, it's 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 like one minute you can get me into the series by talking about its themes of friendship and identity and never giving up and when you put it like that just now it's like nope fuck this I'm washing my hands with this I'm not even going to try and get into this yep <laughs> what's the just point ignore it. what's the point I'm sure like people like YouTube is great because there are people out there that have cut that have taken like all the cutscenes in the game and cut them into like a movie, like a three and a half hour movie, where you can just watch the story and not deal with anything. Hmm. I oh. would do that. <laughs> that that sounds like the best option. That sounds like yeah. the absolute best option. Oh, that being said, I do still have one point five HT somewhere, so I might give that a whack sometime. And and if that goes well, maybe we'll see about two point five. One step at a time. One, one, one step <laughs> uh, oh the first taste is always the deepest um, um, so going back to Birth by Sleep then like what else did you like about it that we've not touched upon tonight I really like the music like I ah. think that I think my favorite um, my favorite theme in all of Kingdom Hearts thank you Yoko Shimamura is a theme called Rage Awakened and we first hear it in Final Mix, Kingdom Hearts 2 Final Mix, when Sora fights Terra's possessed armor, the lingering sentiment uh, optional boss battle. Um, we hear it again uh, when you, as your possessed armor, as Terra's possessed armor, fight Xehanort in your body. Like, that is Terra's battle theme. And Terra's story is so tragic. Like, he did the whole, like, the whole, like, freaking Anakin Skywalker fall from grace. Like, his... He, it's, it's tragic. Like, Terra's story is very, very tragic. And some part of Terra, wherever he is in the universe, is, like, still trying to, you know, make up for what he's done and for giving his body and his power over to this, like, very evil man. Um, but that's his theme. Rage Awakened is his theme. And it, every, and every, uh, every major theme in Kingdom Hearts, like, every, every, uh, everything that's not, like, in a Disney world, every battle theme, every boss battle theme has has uh there's a there's like a narrative continuity with like the melody so like in in uh ventus's theme you hear a lot of roxas's theme because ventus is rick roxas is ventus basically um and rage awakened carries a lot of significance because it's terra's theme and it also has that crazy violin going which is like like shimomura's like signature stamp aqua's theme has a lot of uh has a lot of like themes from past games running through it like there is a continuity like you can when you hear i don't know i've gotten to the point where like my shuffle will like kick up a boss battle from uh from birth by sleep using the same using the same like like secondary melody that's used in Kingdom Hearts 2 when you fight Xemnas, but I'll know like, oh, this is this is uh, the Xehanort battle theme from Birth by Sleep because it has this, 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 and this in it. Like, no, like Shimomura tells a story with the music um, to the point where like if you are familiar with all the different variations, you can pick out this is this boss battle. Oh, this is who I'm fighting. Um, I love I love Rage Awakened, and I didn't realize that Rage Awakened was my favorite until I became until I realized that I was obsessed with it 
which happened after E3 last year. So I do this awful thing. I hope no game publishers are listening, but we get to E3. Like we have a, like a, like a uh, media suite, like up on the top floor. And if and we had exhibitor badges because we have a booth. And if you have an exhibitor badge, you can go out on the show floor at any time. The day before E3, when they were still setting up booths and doing sound tests, I took my exhibitor badge, put on a pair of high heels to see, to look like I was important and should be there, and I went for a walk on the show floor to see if there were any secrets because I don't like surprises. So I went I went for a walk and I was with one of my one of our other editors and we were like just taking a stroll out. The booths were all like covered and. It was really, it was, we were like, oh, we're not going to see anything, whatever. But we were getting like a lay of the land. So we knew where to go like the next day. And we were walking, we're two, we're like at the back of one of the auditoriums and the Square Enix booth is in the front of that auditorium. And all of a sudden, Rage Awakens kicks up. And I'm like, why? Are, and I'm like, that's, that's from Birth by Sleep. Why are they playing a song from, why are they playing a song from Birth by Sleep? Why are they playing Terrorist Theme? And I like literally took off in my heels. I took off. And my editor, my other editor is like, what are, where are you going? And I'm like running full speed in heels down this hallway to, he- I'm like, are they going to show a trailer? Are they going to, like, is they going to show a Kingdom Hearts trailer at E3? Like that had to be what it is. But they're sound testing with Rage Awakened. And I was like, oh my God, maybe, maybe they're, you know, maybe Terra is in Kingdom Hearts 3 or maybe something linked to, to Terra is in Kingdom Hearts 3 if they're using Rage Awakened as the, as the trailer song. So, I like go back to the media suite and I like burst open the doors and I'm like, there's going to be a Kingdom Hearts trailer. I heard it. I heard this. I heard this song. And like one other person, God bless her, Lucy James, our host. I know of Lucy James and I know of her obsession of Kingdom Hearts. God bless her. I'm like, they were playing Rage Awakened and she's the only one who's like, oh my God. Like she's the only person who got it. And I was just like, yay, someone understands why I'm freaking out. Um, (laughs) Yeah, but it was, but, uh, and they did show a trailer that used Rage Awakened, but like the use of themes for trailers and for whatever, they are significant. So I am obsessed with that song. And the fact that it was used for a trailer, I think, means that something in Kingdom Hearts 3 is going to, like, either Sora will find Terra or Terra will do something. But I think, I think that's a serious foreshadowing. And I think that because of the masterful way that Yoko Shimomura has orchestrated, like, the story in all of her tracks hmm. that was a long explanation <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a good explanation i can kind of uh get along with that explanation I'm, I'm, i quite like that explanation because of how passionate it was um so what else sorry not what else i'm like what didn't you like about kingdom hearts Perfect? like We've, we've you touched upon a few there as we've gone I don't, along i don't like ventus i just think he's a shitty character i don't really like him at all um, I think the whole thing, like where they they split him, like they love they love splitting people, like taking a person and being like, here is the embodiment of all of your darkness, and and they are a separate person with a separate name, but they are actually part of you. Like Kingdom Hearts loves doing that, and in and King and Birth by Sleep was the first game to take like Ventus and take all of his darkness and make it into a separate person who's just angry all the time, called Vanitas. And Vanitas, surprise, looks exactly like Sora, but with black hair. So I didn't really like, I don't, I didn't really like the use of like, oh, here are all these people uh, that are made up of things that can't make up an actual physical person, but they all look like each other. Why do they all look like each other? Like, it's really, and like, there's a reason for it, but the reason is like so convoluted and stupid and it requires you to go all the way back to like the first game and like trace like who was doing what where and who had whose heart to figure out why this happened. And I'm like, this is too much. This is too much now. 
just give me like three people that stay people. We don't have to like add on all of the extra stuff, but that part frustrated me. So yeah, we've touched upon it a few times um, as we've gone through this, and and just then in that long, passionate Shimamura pitch, so to speak, um, Kingdom Hearts free. Oh well, technically two point eight comes first, and then free. Um, oh like I remember just three years ago, like just sitting up for the Sony presser. Um, where, where this was two years before the year of dreams came to form, uh, formation with Final Fantasy VII, Shenmue, and the Last Garden. Two years before that, the year of dreams consisted of Final Fantasy Versus Fourteen being re-announced as fifteen, and Kingdom Hearts Three being re- uh, being announced. And I was like, I was happy to see Final Fantasy Versus Fourteen there, but I knew right away, like, yeah, they're going to re-announce this as fifteen, and it's going to be PS Four. And then Nomura came back on video and said I have one more game to show you and then I'm like okay whatever I like I still hadn't clogged on that it was I hadn't clued on that it was um Kingdom Hearts at all although to be fair it was around three o'clock in the morning at that time uh in the oh. UK so I was probably exhausted at that point but anyways um I, I hadn't clued on it was Kingdom Hearts so like okay whatever uh, show me the game and then once the Disney logo came up I was like oh okay oh oh Oh, oh, fuck! Yeah, I kicked... I, I was... We were in the war room. I was still at Polygon, and we were in the war room, and I kicked my chair... I stood up and kicked my chair back, and I was like, no! And I just, like, started crying. I, I cry. I cry at the drop of a hat, and I just was like, oh, my God, I'm teary-eyed. And everyone's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And then last year, when they showed the footage, like, the combat footage and, like, the, the Eric Isayanort trailer... um. I I was sitting next to Tim Geddes, who's also a huge Kingdom Hearts fan, and we're sitting in the war room, and I'm just like completely tense and like not breathing, and like my hands are over my face. Someone took a picture because I guess I looked absolutely ridiculous, but I looked like someone had just shot me. Like it was awful and great, but yeah, no, those announcements are such gut punches. <laughs> um, and, uh, even I was fan bowing out a bit, and like I said, I have not touched Kingdom Hearts since. The first one. I've not touched a Kingdom Hearts game other than the first one, but even I was kind of marking out for that to give the old wrestling expression for being excited. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I love those kind of announcements. Um, so, um, what are your kind of hopes and dreams and fears for free time travel? I don't like <laughs> it. I really, I, I really, I really hope, I really hope they they find a way to like tie that in because. Throwing in the like, hey, and time travel, like, was just too much. It's too much on too much on too much on too much. Um, I really hope. I mean, I also don't like Sora. Like, this is like my my deep dark secret about Kingdom Hearts is I don't like Sora. I think he's. I think. Yeah, I think he's a. I think he's a blank. I mean, I don't hate him. I just don't oh. like him. Like, I think he's a blank protagonist. He doesn't grow. He doesn't learn anything. He's just like, I'm Sora, and I'm going to save everybody. And he just kind of like, that. he has one speed. And it's like, hyperactive, do-goody anime character. And I just think he's he's uninteresting. Like, I'm way more interested in, like, and I realize that he's blank because he's the player character, and you sort of have to help everyone around you, and it's sort of your your moment to project onto Sora but he doesn't learn anything and there's so much story in these games and there's so much going on with everyone else like I just think like give him something like 
at the end of Kingdom Hearts 3D, he fails. Like he fails his, the, the, they're taking like a Keyblade exam or something. And Xehanort like knocks him out and is like, all right, I'm going to possess you. You're mine now. And Sora like gives into like doubt and just gives up. And Riku has to save him. And Riku passes the Keyblade exam and becomes like the Keyblade master. I have this theory and it's a very popular theory uh, that, uh, that Riku is actually the protagonist of those Kingdom Hearts games and every single, like all the games leading up to this have been like a setup. Like it's a, like Sora being the playable character is a red herring. Like this is Riku's story. Oh. Um, he's way more interesting. He's, you know, he struggles with the whole like darkness, you know, ate my soul and then I conquered it and learned how to use my weakness as my greatest strength. My greatest weakness is my greatest strength. Um, and just like redemption, like he has a fall from grace and he struggles to redeem himself and he goes through a lot and he learns a lot about himself and about other people. He learns to, he learns to rely on other people. Like that's something that like I am still dealing with, but it's like, he's so self-sufficient and so obsessed with being strong. And then finally he falls and he comes back from it and it's like, shit, like I got to get myself in order. I need to take care of me and learn to like me before I can learn to like and care for other people. So he does that and he has this whole big journey and Kingdom Hearts 3 begins where he's learned all that. So he's taking what he's learned. He's become this, he's become a whole person and figured his shit out and now he's going out into the world and I really hope we get to play as him in some significant way. All the trailers have shown are Sora and I'm really hoping we get to play as Riku. Um, I really hope we don't see Kyrie a lot because I think Kyrie is like one of the worst female characters ever created in video games. Um, she's not interesting. She's an object. She doesn't really have any function. Um, I really hope we see more of Axel, who's my favorite. Well, he's Lee now, whatever. But he's my favorite organization member, and he's really sassy, and I really like him. Um, and I just, I and I, I just hope that, I just hope that everything gets wrapped up. Like this series has been building towards something, some sort of cataclysmically crazy, amazing thing, and every single game. Nomura and company step up the game with the final boss sequence like in the first game it's like you fight there's like a two-step thing in Kingdom Hearts 2 it's a four-stage boss battle in Birth by Sleep it's like a string of like six or seven really epic battles and uh, 3DS had another like four-stage boss battle where you were Sora then you were Riku and then you were Sora and like it was pretty crazy um so I'm hoping that Kingdom Hearts 3 has some sort of like cataclysmic, like earth-shattering, mind-blowing, crazy final boss design because those games have always done that well. Hmm. Um, what are, what are your hopes then uh, for the world of Kingdom Hearts? Because obviously it's a big part of the series, and like with Kingdom Hearts 3, like it's been it's, since the last numbered game, like ten years as of recording last anime. It's like there, like a lot has happened with Disney animals. Like it's it's acquired Pixar, it's acquired Marvel, mm-hmm. it's acquired Lucasfilm. Like there's Star Wars. We've already had um, Tang- Tangled announced, Big Hero Six announced. Like what are yes. your kind of hopes going into it in terms of the world? I wanted so I really wanted Big Hero Six. I loved Big Hero Six, and when they announced, I was at D twenty three when they announced that, and like I knew that announcement was coming, but like seeing it and having them explain what it was was amazing. Um, I uh, I really want a Frozen world. I know I'm not the only one who wants this. I loved Frozen, despite people saying that, you know, it is not as good as Tangled. Uh, but I love it. And, like, come on. Like, we need a world where, like, you're Sora and you're running around with freaking Elsa shooting ice at people. And, like, like I just loved 
that world of Frozen. So I really hope we get Frozen. I really hope they bring, I don't know if they can do anything else with it, but like they did old Tron in Kingdom Hearts 2. They did Legacy in Dream Drop Distance, and I knew that much yeah. because I was yeah. fucking obsessed with Legacy. I love Legacy. I know, it, <laughs> I know it has its faults, but I adore Tron Legacy so, so much. I love that movie. Yeah, I, I didn't like, I didn't like how they did Legacy uh, uh, in, in 3DS, but I really like Tron. I, uh, oh my God. I mean, I really hope we get like, <sighs> they have to do a Star Wars world. That's, that's, they have that, to. Yeah, that's the million dollar question. They have to. And like, uh, like E3 would be the place to reveal. Like Star Wars fever is at an all time high. Yeah. They, they should. Like there's, there's Kingdom Hearts content in Disney Infinity. Like Disney has embraced that Kingdom Hearts exists and that it's doing a thing. Like I really think that they would put a world in. However, however, I don't think it's going to be any, it's going to be the film. I don't think it's going to be any of the films. Like, if it's going to be any of the films, it might be Force Awakens in some capacity, although I'm not entirely sure that they would do that because Star Wars is, like, too serious. Like, I think that they would do a world based on, like, Clone Wars or Star Wars Rebels. And because Star Wars Rebels is the hot thing right now, I think if they do a Star Wars world, it's going to be Rebels, hmm. not the films. Hmm. That's my theory. I'll put, I, will, I will put good money on it that it's a world based in Star Wars Rebels. Hmm. I, I've been thinking when you put it like that, maybe like like Star Wars for me, like I, I can also see them doing Kingdom Hearts. It has to, like, it's, 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 it's leaving money on the table if they don't, obviously. But like the way I think of it is this, like, Surely they've got to have um, John Boyega in there. Oh, uh, like yeah, he'd do it. He's like a he's like a so into all of that stuff. Like he would totally be the first to raise his hand and be like, "I want to be in Kingdom Hearts." I I can just picture him being in it, and I just go like, "Yes, let's do it." Sure, he, he was tweeting the other day about Battlefront and the lack of single player in it. I can also see him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It'd, be, it'd be fantastic. <laughs> Just to completely jump back into Birth by Sleep then, uh, which is the 2.8 final chapter prologue. Dear God, can we actually finally talk about how obscenely stupid these tales are sometimes? Good I don't get it. God. <laughs> it's bad. It's pretty bad. Um, I don't know why. They're very long. Like, it's very... Like, I understand that... I understand that they want to keep, like, Kingdom Hearts colon in the title. No, yeah, and sure, yeah. The way, that, the way that they deal... Like, so the way that Square Enix deals with numbered titles... I don't know how many people, people know this. Um, so the way that Square Enix deals with numbered titles is they slap a number on a Final Fantasy game or a Kingdom Hearts game or whatever. They slap a number on it when they feel that that game is the best... Is the best is the like highest evolved form of their technology and narrative. Like it is the final form of what they can provide with the tools that they have right now, mm. which is why chain of memories and 358 over two days and kingdom hearts, 3d and birth by sleep all came out on handheld hardware because they were not like the pinnacle of technical achievement for them. And they weren't supposed to, um, they carry a lot of narrative significance, which kind of sucks because I know a lot of people that only played one and two. Like I had a friend who played two, didn't know Chain of Memories existed and was just like, 
what the hell is going on? Like, you can get seriously lost in Kingdom Hearts 2 if you haven't played Chain of Memories or don't know what's going on because not- there's no recap. Like, you don't get a recap. Um, so the fact that this is Kingdom Hearts 3 and it's taking so long means that it is, like, the final form of what they can do with the tech that they have right now. And they're using Unreal. They're not even using the Square Enix engine anymore. They're yeah, using they're, Unreal. Yeah, not even using um, Luminous, no. No, Luminous, oh my god. Luminous is a bit of a, a bit of a mess. Um, but, yeah, so this is like the fact that it's Kingdom Hearts 3 means that it is the highest form of technology, which is why I imagine they slapped uh, 15 instead of versus 13 onto that game because technology evolved. They got the PlayStation 4 hardware and they said, you know what, we're going to go all in and this is going to be a main numbered entry because it's not going to be a spinoff title. This is going to be like a like a all, no holds barred all in mainline title, which is why they take so long. Mm. Um, it sucks that you know we're getting another side story. It kind of bugs me because we're very clearly at the point in the narrative where it's like, okay, we're ready for Kingdom Hearts three, and we know you're working on it, and this could all be in one game, and it's fine. But the fact that we're getting like a second prologue is like, come on, or a third prologue between Kingdom Hearts two, you have Birth by Sleep, Coded. And three and three DS. So that's three games between narratively that came out whatever between Kingdom Hearts two and Kingdom Hearts three. And now we're getting a fourth one, and it's frustrating. Not to mention it's you know named stupidly as well. But it's very frustrating as a fan. And like I've fan like I talk to fans all the time. Like I'm you know crawling in those forums secretly, not saying anything. But like this, it's we're we are disappointed. Like we want that game. Like we don't want any more. And we don't want any more prologues. We'll take it. Like, we'll take it and we'll play it and we'll love it because that's the kind of people we are. But it's too much. It's getting to be too much. <laughs> oh, God. By the way, for those wondering what that title is for this upcoming prologue, Kingdom Hearts, not point two, birth by sleep, a fragmentary passage. Yeah. Dear King- sweet Jesus. Kingdom Hearts 0.2. And then 2.8 is the remixed 3DS. Yeah. The, um, which is dot which is like uh it's like how many points can we because they did like for the remakes for the he remakes they did kingdom hearts 1.5 and 2.5 and it's just like why are you doing this stop like just if you want to put numbers on it you can there will be 10 games out i think by the time three comes out oh and it's not even the last kingdom hearts game like they want to make another series with new characters oh, um but yeah but this will end it honestly like I want Kingdom Hearts 3 to be amazing and I want it to end. I think it's time for this story to end and it's and it will be a beautiful like some things are beautiful because they're done and they're whole. I think this is one of those things that can't be dragged out. So I will be sad but pretty happy when it's completed. So yeah, on fragmentary uh fragmentary passage switches that's stupidly long. Um it, it it does take place after Birth by Sleep. It does take place uh, with the perspective of Aqua, uh, uh, with the events so unfolding of Birth by Sleep. Like, just talk of how your feelings are for that going in, going into it. Because like, besides the fact that it does take place by Birth by Sleep and it sets up events for Kingdom Hearts Three, it's more or less also kind of a gameplay test for the, the system, the battle system in Three. Yep, pretty much. I'm. Yeah, I don't know how I feel how I feel about that. I don't need a gameplay test; just give it to me. Um, but I like that I get to play as Aqua again. Aqua is very interesting. 
a very interesting character, so I'm really excited to get more time with her. Top three Kingdom Hearts games. How would you rank them in your top three? Obviously, uh, Birth by Sleep at the top, but how would you fill out the rest of the top three? Uh, Birth by Sleep, two, one. Very, very easy to put yes. like that. <laughs> like, go into a little detail as to why you put two and one in there. Well, two is very close. Like, two is very close for me. Like, Two and Birth by Sleep, I think, are like neck and neck, but Birth by Sleep edges it out a little bit just because it's a little more, I like some of the combat a little more and the bosses a little bit more um, in the story. Uh, but one, like Kingdom Hearts 1 was just like, even for like all its faults and all of its like weirdness, it was just so good. Like no game has ever really done that before. Like it's not a, it's not a kid's game, but it's also not like an, an adult's game. It's like a children's story for adults and like in a, adult story for kids it's like this weird intangible thing you have mickey mouse and sephiroth and like the battle system was like doing something a little bit new at the time you're running around with like donald and goofy and you have these final fantasy characters running around like i that game scratched scratched an itch for the weird people like me who like grew up on disney and adore disney but who also like video games and also really love final fantasy and it sort of put that all into this like really weird package that asked you a lot of questions about like friendship and finding yourself and the nature of goodness and helping people and you don't really realize that you're thinking about the nature of goodness until you get to like you know the latter the latter third of the game where you're like oh he's not he's just doing this because he's not pure evil he's got like a thing he's doing but i don't I don't like I just don't want him to do it like it's very very strange um, and I for that reason I just adore it and I think one has to be on my top three list because that's the introduction of it all and because of the fact that like it was bringing you and your bros together oh yeah oh yeah that came I don't know I'm thinking about it right now and I'm just getting lost in thought but they like we're all we are 27 24 23 he just turned 23 he's turning 23 soon and uh 18 now and we are all like super duper close and like we're all adults now and we all look back on it and we're just like oh haha like i got 2.5 hd remix for my middle brother for his birth for christmas um and he's been playing through that because he hadn't played birth by sleep because he didn't have a playstation portable so he's like enjoying that for the first time right now um but yeah like that game like sort of like fixed my family in like a really weird way and we're still fine so thank you kingdom hearts <laughs> <laughs> and, that, and now it all comes full circle for free oh my god we have this pact i don't know i mean if like i'm taking off like a week when that game comes out or when i get it or whatever but we made a promise that like wherever the hell i am in the world like one is my brother's in boston one is in boston one is in connecticut and then i'm out here so wherever i am like i i am going home and we are playing this game together like there's no there's no other way i would rather do it so like that's my launch plan whenever this game comes out i'm just taking time off and going home and we're all gonna play <laughs> that's the sweetest thing i love yeah that. <laughs> Go for it. I got a I got a shout out to Final Fantasy Six. 
I love Final Fantasy VI. It is the best Final Fantasy. I think that's all the explanation it needs. Closely followed by Final Fantasy IX. Yeah, I'm a big freaking nerd. Um, Fire Emblem Fates, probably my most recent game to make my favorites game list. Um, I really like, I explained it earlier, but I'm a big, big fan of Fire Emblem. And I think Fates is like the perfect entry series for new people. And the story was really heartfelt and emotional. And I really liked it. I even like the melodrama. I love that melodrama. And then number five, I really like Valkyrie Profile. And nobody ever talks about this game. It's like old Enix, like before it merged with Square. And it's an RPG about like a, a Valkyrie basically recruiting Ein Harriar for the end of the world. And there's like some other sinister shit going on, like cloning and like reincarnation. And it's totally convoluted and weird, but the battle system is really unique, which is why I like it so much. Um, so like, let's, let's jump into, into a little bit more detail. Um, Final, Final, Final Fantasy VI then, like, jump into that a little bit as to why that actually means so much to you. It's got to be the story. Like, that that game was the first... I think it's... Out of all the games of its generation, it does the best uh, with with its with its text-based storytelling. Like, you're, you don't have, like... You can't see any facial expressions. Like, nothing is happening. Like, you, like there's no, like, cool graphics. And everything you get is just from text and just from, like, thinking. Like, there's a couple of moments in that game. Like, the opera scene is one of, like, I think, the most beloved video game scenes in history. Like, you can't talk about Six without talking about the opera. Like, Nobuo, like, Nobuo Uematsu wrote a friggin' opera and that, that you play. You had to memorize the lyrics and then do the show and, like, it was just really, really sweet and, like, you didn't know if she was singing about if she, if Celis was singing as the character if she was singing to Locke. Like, it was very, very sweet. Um, one of my favorite nonsense characters in video games is in that game gogo who's just a, who's just a mime and he just mimics attacks and he has like three minutes of story content but he's there anyway and it's like really really funny um so for that for the story and the characters the same thing for final fantasy 9 story and characters i think my favorite final fantasy character ever created is quinna quinn the androgynous like weird swamp creature that eats that eats uh, she's a she he she or he is a blue mage who learns attacks by eating monsters and then they learn the monsters attack and Quinnett has a bunch of really great quotes that like I think everyone can like take inspiration from my favorite being there are only two things in this world things you can eat and things you know can eat which is my favorite quote in like all of video game history um and uh there's a lot again that game deals with a lot of messages like self-identity like the like like the meaning of life and like the purpose like like self-purpose like why am i here what am i doing like do i do good with the little time i have like is it worth it like stuff like that very it gets very existential and very upsetting and i love it um fire emblem fates like all my reviews are up on like gamespot.com if you want to go read them but i really like the relationship system and I really like how challenging it is and how just like tactically interesting and intricate it gets. Like it's a lot to memorize, but if you're the kind of person that likes having a lot of like heavy stuff to juggle when you're doing like combat in a game, like this is the game for you. And Valkyrie Profile is just weird and old. Like it's probably like I like I have like an old 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 like PS1 copy that like can't run on my PS3 anymore. But it's just like so old and so strange and unique and like so good. It's just impossible to not to not like just think about it once in a while or pick it up. If you haven't picked it up like you should. Don't play the don't play the PSP version. They changed a bunch of stuff. But if you can get your hands on like a PlayStation 1 copy which currently will run you like $100 cuz it's not in print anymore. 
um, and super rare, yeah, then uh, I highly recommend you try and play it. I'll be honest, I actually bought the uh, PSP version a few years ago, waiting, oh, no. wait, wait, waiting for a flight out to Dublin, because like I live on the northern side of Ireland, and I had to get a plane from where I am to the Republic of Ireland to Dublin, because I had to get a flight to France for a Bethesda press event for their pre-E3 thing they were holding that year, because like there was the year after they held it all as one as one event so it was worldwide press but at the time they had two events they had one for US press in Vegas I think it was this was around the time Fallout New Vegas was coming out and the other one in Europe for European press uh, just in the outskirts of Paris but anyways I digress um, I bought the game for my PSP uh, on a whim because I just figured this kind of seems interesting like <laughs> I just figured why not? So I bought it, but I've yet six years to the day, not to the day, but six years since I've bought it, I've still not played it. Oh my gosh! To my, <laughs> play it! To, to, to my eternal shame. Oh, well, to be fair, I think you can play it now on PS Vita TV, can you not? Uh, maybe. I know they're, they're discontinuing the PlayStation TV, yeah, the PS TV, so. Mm. I, really yeah. must, I must see if I can, if I can play it on PS TV. Oh, well, to be fair, when I got my PS TV, the only reason I got a PS TV was for Persona 4 Golden. Oh my god. And I and I love Persona 4 Golden. I do. And it was the only game, it is the only game, that made me want to go out and buy a, a small micro box for it. Like I, wow. Like, it was... And you know, and you know what, what the sad thing is? It was £80 when I bought it uh, a, few, a few weeks before Christmas 2014. Um... And then, or was it at the start of last year? I can't remember. But anyways, it was £80, bought it for Persona 4 Golden, no regrets, no regrets, except for one. A few weeks later, it dropped in half in price. Oh, no. And I was like, why? Why are you torturing me like this? Why? But whatever. I bought it for Persona 4 Golden, no regrets. Like, I, I, lo- I love Persona 4 and PlayStation 2 and... I just love playing Persona 4 Golden on the Vita itself, but I just got stuck on both versions. But I needed an excuse to play it on the big TV again, and PSTV was it. And I finally, after so long, managed to finally finish Persona 4 recently. And like it was, it was already in my top ten games ever, um, even though I had not actually finished it. But like now that I actually have finished it, now that I actually <laughs> I, 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 I can say I have actually finished it it, it solidifies it I, I, I fucking adore Persona 4 God. I really do I love the Um but yeah um, <laughs> I digress because I could talk all day about Persona 4 God and how amazing <laughs> it is and how everyone should go and play because it is one of the best RPGs from the past decade but I digress. I, I, I could talk all day about Persona 4 Golden. Top three games ever. What would they be? Birth by Sleep at the top, obviously. But how would you fill up the top three? Birth by Sleep, Final Fantasy 6, Final Fantasy 9.
Uh, so I do all of my writing on GameSpot.com. You can find me there. I have a lot of big projects I'm launching in the next month and a half. Unfortunately, I can't say anything about it. But if you like what I do, you should just keep an eye out. <laughs> Twitter, do you want to throw that out there as well? Oh, yeah, at Alexa Ray C.
Testing. One, two, three. Testing. Me, 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 me. Rivet, rivet. Now, what was I supposed to do again? Oh, yeah. Squonky, squonky. After I get him home, I'll never have to see this dog again. Squonky, squonky. Oh, no, don't get any ideas. Squonky, squonky. Stop, I'm too young to fly. Thanks for listening to my favourite game. Next week, Dan Pinchbeck on Stalker, Shadow Chernobyl. Until next week, Squawky! Bye!